today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. You want to know God and you want to know the Bible, then seek Him. And the Holy Spirit, when He resides in you, when you have that personal relationship, He will guide you into all truth, the Word says. So many of us have that personal relationship. And many of us often say, man, I just want God to speak to me. I want to know Him more than open your Bible and search the Word. As Jesus says, you will be taught because you are seeking the Father. Many of us take great interest in a wide variety of topics such as history, sports, science, and more. Whenever we want to learn more about them, we typically spend a fair amount of time reading or listening. But do we do the same with our Bibles? In today's message, Pastor Eric teaches us the best way to learn and hear more from the Father is through His Word. Well, let's join Pastor Eric in the book of John chapter 7 for part one of his message, Jesus Brings Division. As I was looking at John 7, the remaining of it, it's jam-packed with division. And understanding that Jesus brings division. And so I titled the message this morning, Jesus Brings Division. Something that you might know, something that you might not have known, that Jesus brings division. And so looking back so far, what we've been learning in John, Jesus has been ministering to the people and a great multitude of people were following Jesus. Uh, they were very, you know, interested in his teachings. And he was healing the sick. You know, he fed the 5,000. But then Jesus is continuing to bring forth the kingdom of God because he wasn't about his own will. He was about his Father's will. Therefore, he was bringing forth the truth. As the Word of God says that Jesus himself said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And so, knowing that that's who Jesus is, is the truth, that's what he's bringing forth to the people, is the truth of God. In 6 of John, chapter 6, Jesus lays it out and says, I am the bread of life. If you do not consume me, you will not have eternal life. If you will not drink my blood and eat my flesh, you do not consume me. Therefore, you are not a part of me. Many of the Jews at this time had a hard time understanding that, And accepting that and believing that for truth. And so they walked away. And so he turned to the twelve and he says, are you going to go too? But Peter says, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've come to believe that you are the Lord. Then Jesus was still in the region of Galilee. He was When he performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000, he was in Capernaum. Which is in the region of Galilee. And he remained in the region of Galilee because he didn't want to go down to Judea because the Jews, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees wanted to kill him. They wanted to take his life. And it wasn't his time yet. And so he waited. And so we learned last week that the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths was at hand. And this was a time that the Jews would come into Jerusalem in Judea and build booths and live in them for a week. They would live in these booths as a reminder of how God brought freedom to them in the wilderness. And these booths would represent the housings that, uh, houses that they lived in for, in the wilderness. And, and, and they would also not only build these booths and praise God for the freedom that he had given them, but they would also light candles around the temple 
Because that would, that would spark their mind to remember the pillar of fire of God and how he led them through the wilderness. And the priests, you guys, they would take the, they would fill up these pitchers of water and, and then pour them out to, rem, to spark the mind and to, to encourage the people to remember how God brought forth water out of the rock for the people. So again, remembering God's provision. And so that was a major feast. In fact, it was one of three major feasts that all of the Jews would come into Jerusalem. Well, I would say, I can't say all of them went, but a lot of them would go because it's a major deal. And so this feast is a big deal. And so Jesus's brother said, hey, why don't you go up, Jesus? Your disciples, uh, they want to see you because you've been performing all these mighty works. You need to go and present yourself in front of them because no one does anything with, with the heart of not wanting to be seen. And Jesus says, I'm not going up there yet. Because at this time, his brothers, his own brothers did not believe in him. And so Jesus waited until to go up into the feast. And then we saw that he finally did go up, but he went up in secret. So that's where we're at this morning. And like I said, this morning, we're going to look at division. And the word division means to separate. And in our, in our lives, division resides in our daily life. You know, we separate a lot of things. You separate clothes for laundry, right? You separate kids from fighting. <laughs> uh, not our family. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. With there's, when more kids are present, there's more chances for arguments. Anyways, there's division all amongst us today. And if you look around, you read the newspaper, you read the internet, whatever you read, you see the division going forth in this world. And it's funny because there's even division within our own minds. You know, we, we take what we hear, what we read, and we divide it and say, mm, I agree with this, mm, I don't agree with it. And the things that we don't agree with, we discard. We move it aside. In fact, this is such a brilliant concept Many of your email set this up for you. They separate the stuff that's not good. It's called spam, <laughs> right? And then you also have another feature called trash. And so you can read emails and you're like, mm, no, that's trash, you know, or looking at the spam file, wow, all this stuff comes to me? Why? But hey, Yahoo takes care of it for you and dividing it or whatever you use. But the problem is, is, is that we often don't want to pause for a second to see what is really truly coming in. Is it really worthwhile to hold on to? Oftentimes in our busy schedules, we're quick to discard. And, I, and, I, and I'm kind of concerned because that's what's going forth in the church today is what's being preached behind pulpits, the Word of God, is it being discarded because people don't want to hear it? Because it doesn't align with their own personal desires and their own viewpoints. But you got to remember that the Word of God is truth. That it re represents it. It is God. It is God-breathed. And so we must not, therefore, just disregard it because it rubs you the wrong way. It can rub you the wrong way. 
the Bible is challenging. But remember, it is truth. Don't be quick to discard it. And, and you know what? People and things cause division all the time. And Jesus Christ, like I mentioned in the beginning, he brings division. And that's what we're going to look at in, in the two areas that Jesus brings division. Uh, the, the first area that he brings division is eternally, uh, internal, right? And then external. He brings division in an external way. So let's dive into it and see what God has. All right, verse 11 says this, Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, He is good. Others said, No. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And so we're going to pause right there because right off the bat, we see there is division amongst the people. Right off the bat, there is division amongst the people because the scene is in Jerusalem, okay? So picture the scene. There's a lot of people. Like I said, a lot of the Jews would come up to Jerusalem and, and, and worship during these feasts. And so there is a lot of people there, okay? So picture a crowd, you know, the last crowd I was at was at the Diamondbacks, and there was 18,000. So I'm sure there's a lot more people than that in Jerusalem, okay? And I don't personally handle crowds all that well. And so you've got people going around because when you're in a crowd, it's loud. And so then in the crowd, you're hearing the people say, where is Jesus at? Because Jesus at this point is known. He, you know, he's performing miracles. His name is out there. And where is he at? Have you seen Jesus? Remember, he came up there secretly because he did not want to be seen because of the Jews wanting to kill him. And so the atmosphere is people are seeking Jesus and, and knowing that he is known among the people. He was a hot topic during this feast. If it was today, he would be like the number one thing, thing trending on the internet, right? It would be Jesus. That's what would be going on, okay? Because so many people are looking for Jesus. What a great sight. But the heart behind it wasn't all good. Some said he was good, but on the other hand, some says, you know what? He deceives the people. He deceives the people. Truly, times have not changed. Because that's often the conversation when Jesus' name is brought up today. He is good. No, he deceives the people. And, and, and the, the, the popularity of Jesus is still there. Many people know who Jesus is today. And he still brings division. And it seems that it brings division even more so. He brings division more so because it seems like everybody has a keyboard at their fingertips. Everybody has an opinion about something. Jesus, a sports team, something. Everybody has something to say about it, which isn't a bad thing. Praise God for freedom of speech. But when it comes to Christ, there are people still divided about him today. And so, yes, Jesus does bring division internally and externally. 
And internally, this is how he brings it internally. Check out Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. As we learned back in John chapter 1, verse 1, the word is God. And then we learn in verse 12 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, the word that dwelt among us who became flesh is who? Jesus Christ. So therefore, when you look at Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living. So that means that Jesus is the word, right? As we've learned, that means that Jesus is living and he is powerful, right? Right? And he is sharper than any two-edged sword. And he pierces through the soul and the heart. Jesus Christ does that. The illustration that Jesus gave Paul on the island of Patmos was this in Revelation. He had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. The illustration is, is painting the picture of Christ. Pretty awesome, huh? You, you always see these pictures in houses and churches of Jesus just being, you know, peaceful and calm, which he is graceful. But I want to see the one with the sword coming out of his mouth, man, because that's who Jesus is. He divides. He brings division internally. And so the example that we're going to see now in verses 14 through uh, 24 is the example of how Jesus brings division internally. So verse 14 says, now about the middle of the feast, again, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Verse 17, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? In verse 20, the people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? And Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. Moses, therefore, gave you circumcision. Not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. Verse 23. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Verse 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So here we go. We see the internal division amongst the Jews. Jesus, again, makes himself seen at the feast. And as business as usual, where does he go? He goes into the the temple to go to preach, to share the kingdom of God. And the people, you guys, marveled at his teaching. They marveled at it because he was not an educated man in their eyes, although he was an educated man, right? Had the best teaching, the best teacher. He wasn't educated in their eyes because he didn't sit under a rabbi, okay? 
Because the, the idea would be that the kids would grow up and the elite, the top students would be then chosen by the rabbis to follow underneath them and to, to study their ways. But Jesus wasn't that way, and, and he knew God's word. Well, I wonder why. Because he is God, <laughs> and he is the word. And so he knows the word of God, and they marveled at that. How does this guy know this stuff, having never studied? And so then Jesus explains his doctrine. It's not his own doctrine, but it's the Father's doctrine. And he tells the people, if you want to know my doctrine, seek him, and you will know. Wow, awesome. You want to know God and you want to know the Bible, then seek Him. And the Holy Spirit, when He resides in you, when you have that personal relationship, He will guide you into all truth, the Word says. So many of us have that personal relationship. And many of us often say, man, I just want God to speak to me. I want to know Him more. Then open your Bible and search the Word. As Jesus says, you will be taught because you are seeking the Father. And so then he goes on and he says that he speaks, uh, he says that a man who speaks for himself is speaking for or seeking his own glory. But he who seeks glory of the one who sent him is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. And so he explaining to the Jews that his doctrine is not his, but it's from the Father. And if the Jews truly understood the doctrine that they believe in, the Old Testament, the law that was presented to them, they would see that Jesus' doctrine was of God and not of himself. Because the Old Testament points to Jesus. I mean, from the beginning of man, from the fall of man, the, the plan of redemption was there, all pointing to Jesus. And I mean, the law itself, the Ten Commandments, when I say the law, many of us are not familiar with all 600 of it, right? And plus, but the Ten Commandments we can relate to, okay? Because uh, we can't even hold those. And so the, the, the Ten Commandments, the law in general, points to Christ. Paul said this to the church in Galatia. Absolutely amazing. I've been reading Galatians in my own personal study, and it's blowing me away. It's awesome. But he says this in Galatians 3.19, What the purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through the angels by the hand of the mediator. Okay, so here, what is the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions, because no man can hold the law of God because it's perfect and no man is perfect. So the law was there to point us to the seed, the seed of the promise that came to Abraham, which was Jesus Christ. Paul then continues in Galatians 3.24, and he says, Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But the Jews would hold on to the law. They would hold on to the Old Testament as that is the way that you have to live. But that was a way for God to say, hey, you need a Savior, and that Savior is right before you. And they did not see it. They didn't see it. And and oftentimes, you guys, as Christians, those who follow Jesus Christ, we can go back into, in a sense, holding on to the law and forget that we have been saved by grace and not by the, the works that we do. And we lose sight of the, what the purpose of the law served. That it was to point to Jesus Christ. 
Again, the law, the Old Testament, it points to Jesus. It points that you're a sinner and that you need the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Now, you might be like, oh, I'm kind of feeling bad because I, I mess up all the time, you know? Well, don't feel bad. And, and you mess up and you go back to your religious, hardcore uh, rigidness and you're like, well, you can't do that. You can't, you can't say that in church. You can't do this in church. And you get all rigid, right? Well, don't feel bad because even the apostles became rigid again after Christ ascended into heaven. But Paul went to the apostles and he, again, I'm probably sure it was probably a little bit more direct than more just like, hey guys, come on. You know, he was pretty direct. You know, he was like, you guys got to remember that you were saved from the law. It is about Jesus Christ, man. And the life that you live now is in Christ Jesus. It's not by the law. It's by faith in Christ. What a great word that is to us today because we can easily slip back into the rigidness and religious heart and mindset of this is how it has to be done. You know what has to be done is that we need to accept God's grace in Jesus Christ. That's what needs to be done and everything else will follow. I would encourage you to read Galatians chapter 2. It totally was awesome this week for me. Awesome. The people, though, you guys were confused because they thought that, <laughs> that they were following God in the law. And, and so they, they were thinking, like, well, how, we, we were following that, but what is this guy talking about? You know? And then Jesus throws in this wrench in verse 19. He says, Did Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek and kill me? Now he's speaking in front of a, a multitude of people and within the temple, right? The people would come in and hear him speak. And this is news to him. News to the people that, wait a minute. Who's trying to kill you, Jesus? No one here is trying to kill you. Because the Pharisees and the scribes did not lead on that they wanted to kill Jesus. That was between their little group there. And so they didn't lead on to saying that we wanted to kill them. So the people were confused. What is Jesus saying? Like, why do you want to kill me? No one wants to kill me. You've got a demon in you. Who wants to kill you? But Jesus is going back and he's going to their hearts and he's saying, you know, when I healed the man on the Sabbath, it was at the pool, right? When the lame man couldn't get into the waters and Jesus, you know, made him walk. And it was on the Sabbath. The Pharisees, that's when it all came on, on glued for the Pharisees because he did this work on the Sabbath. And so he points out to the people, all the people, and he's saying, because I'm sure the Pharisees were in there, they, he points out to the people saying, you know what, you guys are so hardcore with the law, and yet you guys are good with circumcising a man on the Sabbath when Moses did it, and, and that's cutting off of the flesh. It's not really a pleasant thing to get circumcised, okay? And here, this is, a, this is a physical, you're taking away from the flesh, but yet I made a man whole on the Sabbath, and you want to kill me. Does that make any sense to you? That's just what's going on in my brain, right? And the people were trying to understand this, right? And he goes, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Because here's the thing. The point that Jesus was making is that both were a work of God. Both of them were a work of God. The circumcision was, was from God because that's what he asked. And then what Jesus did on the Sabbath was of God. 
because he was being obedient to his father. Pastor Eric Kluth's message today gave us a greater insight into the incredible life that Jesus led in his time here on earth. His life and death are the basis of the Christian faith, and we hope you've been encouraged in your faith by what you heard today. As we close this edition of Grace to the Hearers, we'd like to tell you how you can receive a free copy of today's message. Simply send an email to info at gracetothehearers.com and be sure to include today's date and where we can send you a CD. You can also call us at 520-723-7047 to speak to us in person. That number again is 520-723-7047. Be sure to visit our website as well to discover more about Grace to the Hearers, Pastor Eric, and what our goal is with this ministry. We'd also like to ask that you consider partnering with us in prayer as we continue to expand this ministry. Grace to the Hearers and other ministries like it are valuable tools that God is using to further His kingdom on earth. And we feel that God is calling us to reach more and more people with this broadcast. Would you join us in praying for this ministry and the people who are hearing Pastor Eric's messages? We are incredibly blessed to be able to share God's Word with you already. And we would be honored to have you interceding for us as well. From all of us on the broadcasting team, we want to say thank you for listening today. Join us again as we continue our deeper look at the book of John, next time on Grace to the Hearers. 